Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Parker, to this podcast on the essential skills of NLP. This is a series of 10 free podcasts introducing the fascinating field of NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, you can get the rest of the entire series directly from the iTunes store. Simply search for me, Phil Parker, or Essential NLP to find it. Hi, and welcome to Essential NLP podcast number six. I'm Phil Parker, and first of all, I'd like to thank all of you hundreds and hundreds of people who've been downloading this podcast over the last three days. It's absolutely fantastic that it's had such a great reception. Thanks so much, and if you'd like to leave reviews on iTunes, that would be absolutely phenomenal too. So today, what we're going to be looking at is something called NLP presuppositions. Now, as with a lot of NLP, it starts with some jargon, NLP presuppositions. What does that mean? What it means is... If you look at many uh, therapeutic approaches or philosophical approaches, they will tend to have truths, rules, things you have to buy into. Uh, So, for instance, if you look at psychoanalytical psychotherapy, uh, one of the ideas would be a lot of your problems occur in your past. You need to go to your past to understand it, to make your future better. And you have to buy into that to kind of join in. With NLP, it's very different. It says... We've got these things called NLP presuppositions, which are how we like to see the world. But they're not true. We don't pretend they're true. We're just saying, if you took these ways of thinking on, what kind of world would that give you? And it tends to be that if you take these ways of thinking on, it makes the world a bit of an easier place to live in. It makes it full of more opportunity, more possibility, and you tend to be happier and more successful. But NLP underlines, these are not true. They're an approximation to truth. They're kind of true a lot of the time. And it seems that taking them on is a useful starting point. So that's what NLP presuppositions are in a nutshell. It's quite a unwieldy phrase but it's easier than explaining what I've just explained every single time we use the phrase. So let's have a look at them. There are 11 of them and today's podcast I'm going to be covering the first one. Uh, You'll need to get the notes which you can email me at phil at philparker.org because as you're just about to find out the presuppositions can sometimes be a little bit wordy. So the first one is no one is wrong or broken and people work perfectly to accomplish what they are currently accomplishing. Now, some people split these into two, but I think they work together as one best. So this is why you need the notes, so you can look at this again. But let's, look, let's break it down. No one is wrong or broken. Well, what's the converse of that? The idea that people are wrong. Now, I'm sure you've experienced, as I have, that when we get told we're wrong, we absolutely loathe it. It's one of the things that as humans we will try and avoid at all costs. We will try and groom ourselves so nobody can comment on our appearance. We'll try and get ourselves down to the gym so people don't think we're overweight or not fit. We will try and practice and rehearse things so that when it comes out, it comes out right rather than complete nonsense. Because the idea that somebody will find us lacking and wrong in some way is a massive problem that we would do anything to avoid. Now, this doesn't mean that we go along going, everything I do is right and brilliant. It's just saying, what if we lose those two distinctions, wrong and right? 
how much trouble is caused in the world by looking at whether people are wrong or right, acceptable or unacceptable. What if we were much more generous than that? What if we just recognised everybody is? And if we take the second half of this, that people work perfectly to accomplish what they're currently accomplishing, what if we expanded the idea and had the sense that people were being brilliant at doing things? This is something that's very core to the lightning process. The lightning process talks about genius, the idea that we are brilliant at things. And to expand that idea from we are just brilliant at some things to we can be brilliant at dreadful things. We can be brilliant at being sad. We can be brilliant at being stressed. And this, of course, brings us back to what we talked about states. What state are we in? For instance, before an interview, we are brilliant somehow getting ourselves without meaning to but we are accomplishing that brilliantly getting ourselves into a very stressful state we can then expand this idea to if we're really good at getting ourselves into one set of states then it would make sense to suggest we could get ourselves into other states and this of course takes us back to the other thing I talked about earlier the serenity prayer you remember that we said we were able to accept the things we cannot change to have the courage to change the things we can change and have the wisdom to see the difference between those two things, then we're really on track to a brilliant life. So, so far we've got the idea that usually people see things as wrong or right, that maybe we need to let go of that. And that maybe we need to recognise that people are perfectly accomplishing what they're desiring to accomplish and desiring probably on an unconscious and unintentional level. If you want to find out more about this, I've written a whole book about this called The Do, spelt D-U with a circumflex over the U to distinguish it from the normal D-O kind of do. You can see it on the website www.doing.org. Again, that's spelt D-U-I-N-G dot org, where you can also get the books. Really fantastic, interesting, I think, book. Very practical. It allows you to use this new verb. So you can move from the whole idea that we are people who have problems to we are people who do certain behaviours. D-U, do. It's a new version of a verb. Once we recognise instead of that we are somebody who has stress, we're somebody who does stress, it gives us a whole new option that maybe we could learn to not do that stress. And that's a very, very powerful place to come from. Backing up a little bit, we said no one is wrong or broken. Let's look at the broken part of it. Very often, particularly in terms of healthcare, people come and see me looking at the mind-body connection. They have been left with this sense that they are broken. There's something wrong with them. They're flawed in some way. And this isn't a very empowering place to come from. In fact, it makes a journey out of that very, very difficult, very long, if not impossible, to get to a point where you are fixed or cured or recovered and in fact we suggest that people really lose this idea of being broken and being flawed and having a piece missing because it's a bit like if you're trying to do a jigsaw and there's a couple of pieces missing you will never complete the jigsaw what we need to do is move beyond that and again the do is very useful along with this presupposition if somebody has arthritis that's a very static way of looking at it. It's saying, this is just the way it is. This thing. You're broken. 
But actually, if you look at it physiologically, what arthritis is, is a, a brilliant response to injury or trauma or other things. Well, your body creates an inflammatory response. It grows bone to protect the joint. It tries to manage the situation as well as it possibly can. And this is the process of arthritic inflammation. And that's a brilliant function. And also, when we see it as a function, as a behavior, as a thing that's occurring, suddenly becomes much more flexible, much more changeable. Rather than something we have, it's something that our body is doing. And if our body's doing it, and it's accomplishing that, is there a way to switch that, to settle that, to calm that? My experience is, yeah, we can do this. We can have amazing amounts of influence by recognizing, actually, this isn't a broken thing. This is something that's doing exactly what it was designed to do. So really get your head around that whole idea. What if we started to see everything we do as something that we're doing brilliantly, that we are geniuses at these kind of things? Although, of course, we may well be geniuses at an unconscious and an unintentional level. So we're not doing it on purpose. This is why we use the do with the du. I've got a new book coming out at the end of the year, which is all about this. It's called How to Get the Life You Love Now. And part of this new book focuses exactly on this very vital and important concept. There's many more layers to it as well, but this is one of the key elements that allows you to get a life that you love. That might be a book for you in the future. But for the moment, really start to work today on noticing how often you make comments and judgments about whether something's right or wrong, good or bad. And maybe decide just to let that go. Also, if you have any health issues in your life, just check in with yourself. Are you seeing yourself as broken and flawed? Or are you seeing yourself as being in the midst of some kind of interesting brilliantly designed physiological process. I talked earlier about arthritis. If we look at bee stings, it's very similar. When a, we get stung by a bee, the toxin, the venom from the bee, is not good for us. So our body creates this inflammatory response locally, where the area of sting is, creates a lot of swelling. This is good. This is bringing all the goodies that sort out the toxins. We get a bit annoyed by the swelling, the redness and the soreness, but actually it's a really good thing that our body's doing. It's exactly what it needs to do. Our body is perfectly accomplishing exactly what it needs to do in that case. If we didn't have that response, the venom would go body-wide and then we'd be in massive trouble, actually. So starting to see our body processes as being brilliant and useful. But also take this further. What about seeing other people's behaviours? or even our own behaviours, and having more compassion, more kindness. Because if people are doing things, as you'll see later on, we're going to also recognise, probably not even doing them on purpose, people are doing things, maybe we just need to let them be that way. To be kind, to be compassionate, to be understanding, and to recognise that because they're not broken or wrong, there's so much more possibility for them, if they wish to, to make changes and maybe using some of the skills on this podcast, we can help them do exactly that. So those are my thoughts for today through this podcast. Please send me some feedback. Tell me how you're getting on with it, what you'd like me to cover. We're going to be getting some interesting guest appearances from brilliant people in the NLP world who are going to be joining me on the podcast in the next few months. Uh, if you're one of those people who'd like to join in, then please get in contact. We're always happy to speak to interesting people who've got things to contribute. And so until then, remember to email me, phil at philparker.org, 
where you'll get a transcript of this. And if you want more information about our courses, about NLP in general, always happy to help. Until then, have a great week. If you'd like to get hold of the rest of the series, you can purchase them directly from the iTunes store. Just search for Phil Parker and Essential NLP. You might also like our newsletter, which you can sign up for at philparker.org. It will provide you with free bonus content on these subjects, information about forthcoming seminars, and all sorts of stuff that will support you in learning this. So that's philparker.org. Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life.